0: to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. If you are just now getting to work or have to run off to start your day somewhere away from the radio, you don't have to miss out on the conversation here on Detroit Today. You can go to iTunes or wherever it is you download podcasts. You can download and subscribe to Detroit Today, and then you can... Listen to the show when you're ready and wherever you choose to do that. All right. Today, we want to talk about a big picture question that I think sort of defines American political philosophy. What should be the role of government? The question is really at the very heart of almost every policy debate we have, whether it's the current national debate about healthcare or the question of Corporate tax breaks right here in Detroit. And it's a line that often divides rival political factions and Americans in general. The difficult part is cutting through that tension, those two poles, how much should government do? Should government do lots? Should it be deeply involved in the lives of Americans? Or should it hang back and allow, particularly in the economic sense, allow the market to shape things. Uh, the difficult part is is finding the happy medium between those two. Why, why is it that we have to define it as an either or all the time? And it seems increasingly difficult to find that happy medium. If you think about the debates that we're having, they aren't just about the policy initiatives that we're talking about. They are about this fundamental question. How much should government do? Should it be a lot? Should it be a little? Should it be everything? Should Government really involve itself in providing opportunities to prosperity for Americans, or should it sort of hang in the background and allow us more freedom, so to speak, to do things and manage things on our own? If you think about the current health care debate in Washington, it's the two poles here that have caused part of the problem. We had a Democratic bill that got no. Republican support pass in the affordable care act and then as soon as republicans get control they try to pass another bill that is the exact opposite of the democratic bill and uh, sort of lurching us from one extreme to another and never able to find a bill that both democrats and republicans could vote for in order to make things better for the people that they represent that happy medium being elusive That's not new. That's not that's not something that we have never seen before in American politics. And if you go back to the founding times of this country, the 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 times when we were first trying to sew the republic together, come up with a governing structure, these were the questions at play then. How much should the government do? How involved should the government be? In people's lives. Uh, and over the centuries, over two and a half centuries, we've really come to a place where we're able to at least be a nation, a, one country that decides between those poles and, and finds a way to, to get to go forward, finds a way to figure out uh, how to govern, how to, how to make things work. And there have been times in American history where the government has hung back. A lot shrunk itself, withdrawn from American lives and and allowed things to unfold the way that they would unfold naturally. There have been other times when government has been deeply involved. Think of the New Deal under President Roosevelt. Think of the Great Society expansion under uh, Lyndon Johnson. Think of the reactions to those. Think of Ronald Reagan pulling back significantly from the expansions of government. But today it does seem, even though these are things that have happened in our history, it does seem as if the split there is a little more intense than it than it has been at other times in our history, and that we can't come to basic agreements about the form and the role of government and come to agreements about how, To govern. So, we want to spend today uh, talking about these two polls, talking about what lies in the middle, how do we get to some sort of compromises on some of these issues in order to govern. Uh, And we want to hear from you, the listeners especially. What do you think about the role of government? Do we have too much of it? I hear that a lot from people. There's too much government, too much government. It's too involved in my life. If you think that, I want to hear from you and I want to hear. Specifically, what you're talking about when you say that. What's government doing? What's government doing that you don't want it to be doing? What is government involved in that you think it should be out of? On the other hand, if you're someone who believes that government is a vehicle to achieve collective aims in our society. Tell me what you think it's doing that shows that that works. Tell me what you think it's doing. That supports that point of view. How effective is government even when it decides to do those things? 313-577-1019 is the number to join the conversation. That's 313-577-1019. And joining me first to talk about this subject is Matt Grossman. He's director of Michigan State University's Institute for Public Policy and Social Research. Matt, welcome to Detroit Today. Good morning. Hi. Uh, so let's talk about, uh, let's talk first about today and now the idea that we are in a, a political era where this fundamental question about our republic, how active should government be, seems to me to have pushed us to the place where, again, these two poles exist, extremes on one side or another. And it is harder than it has been in many, many periods in our history to find those happy meetings, to find those places where liberals and conservatives, Democrats and Republicans can work together, find sort of compromise in order to actually get things done. Am I am I overstating how, how dramatic that is now or... Uh, is, it, is it, from your perspective, also a more difficult uh, problem to solve right now?
1: Well, there's certainly increases in uh, partisan and ideological polarization. Uh, they are more extreme uh, at the elite level, certainly among politicians and also among uh, educated uh, voters. Uh, they're a little bit less extreme in the, in the mass public. Uh, and then the, the sort of interesting middle that we have in American politics is uh, voters who are philosophically conservative, uh, but operationally liberal. That is, uh, they would agree with your uh, broad pronunciation about uh, the role of government being too large, uh, but they wouldn't necessarily be able to come up with the specifics that you asked for about what they want government to do less of. Uh, so <laughs> when asked about, you know, should the government spend more or less, should it regulate more or less. uh, People as a whole say no. uh, But then when asked, should we spend more on education, more on health, they say yes. Should we regulate more on the environment, more on consumer safety, they say yes. So we have this divided political mind uh, where people sort of agree with the Republicans in principle, but the Democrats in practice. Yeah.
0: Uh, when, When people talk about the government being too involved, often what I sense, and if you press them, uh, to, to be more specific, often what you come up with is, well, I pay too much. I pay too much for government. My taxes are too high. How much of this boils down to those sort of simple economic terms, uh, this, this idea of too much or too little government?
1: Uh, Some of it, certainly. But I don't think uh, a lot of it. There are uh, quite a large population of people who don't pay uh, many income taxes, for example, who still think that uh, uh, we should have a smaller uh, role of government uh, in society. Uh, It goes back a very long way and it's uh, a part of an American exceptionalism uh, where uh, in Europe, uh, people who support liberal policies tend to agree with the the principles behind it. They they think that government should have a role in redistribution, uh, should have a, a role in providing public goods. Um, but in the U.S., we have a, a weird pattern where people have long supported some similar policies without supporting the, the principles behind them. Yeah.
0: Uh, again, three one three five seven seven one zero one nine is the number to join the conversation. What do you think of the role of government? What do you think about the split in opinion in this country about the role of government? Lots of people believing that government is too active in our lives, too much of a hindrance uh, in our freedoms, our economic freedoms in particular. Lots of other other folks uh, believe that government is a vehicle for. Uh, expressing the collective will uh, to make things better, make things better for Americans across the economic and cultural uh, spectrums that we have. Uh, Where do you fall in that uh, in that divide? And what do you think is possible in terms of coming to some agreement about that divide in order to come up with policy that actually allows government to govern? Three, one, three, five, seven, seven. One oh one nine Again, is the number. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page, put your comments there, or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Michelle in Detroit. Michelle, welcome to Detroit Today.
2: Hi, thank you. Sure. Yeah, I just wanted to sort of challenge the framing of this question. I think that uh, the idea that we can just let have the free market implies that there wasn't some culpability on the government. You know, we're coming through slavery, we're coming through reconstruction, we're coming through codified racism Mm -hmm. and so then to just step away and say, Okay, we're gonna let it be a free market doesn't acknowledge the governmental inequality that was that was caused and so I feel that a lot of people who tend toward the free market are those who haven't been the victims of the government policies that Created that inequality yeah. from the beginning.
0: Yeah, Michelle, I think that is a great point, and it's one of the things that that I bring up a lot when this conversation comes up. Uh, one example of what you're talking about, I think, is if you go back to the 1950s, for instance, when the government was very active in growing the economy through all kinds of uh, government programs that provided opportunity. Think of uh, the Federal Housing Act. Think of uh, the GI Bill. Think of um, the Federal Transportation uh, Act that built the the highway system; those were benefits that were reserved for white Americans in in many many instances, and there didn't seem to be this pushback, uh, this this idea that somehow government was doing. Too much uh, now. Now that the divide that was created by uh, that exclusion of uh, of uh, blacks and other uh, ethnic minorities from that uh, from those government systems, uh, now you hear people saying, "Well." you know the government shouldn't be doing that the government shouldn't be uh, as involved in incentivizing opportunity as it used to be and and i think uh, you know your point which is that that ignores that history is really really important it's a really important backdrop uh, to this conversation uh, matt grossman talk about the 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 history of inequality in uh, america and how it informs this question of how involved the government is uh, in, in our lives?
1: Well, certainly there's, there's change over time in attitudes uh, that is uh, n- not, not completely uh, or so- somewhat hypocritical, uh, uh, some would say, in, in people benefiting from past government policies and not supporting new government policies. Um, but I would also say there's just a, there's a, a pattern that government uh, grows in size and scope over time. Uh, And there has always been the grounds uh, for backlash. Every time there's a new uh, growth in uh, the size and role uh, of government, we tend to have what we call a thermostatic public, which means they say too hot, too hot uh, (laughs) under uh, uh, Barack Obama. And then they say too cold, too cold uh, (laughs) under uh, uh, Donald Trump. Uh, so, you know, some of the backlashes are, are rather quick. Uh, so the, as soon as the Great Society was was adopted, uh, the 1966 election saw a move uh, to the right in public opinion uh, immediately, and, and it had a role in election results as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, during the Reagan administration, which is now remembered as a, as a high watermark for conservatism, it was actually uh, there was actually a big growth in liberal public attitudes during the Reagan administration. Uh, so uh, the public... Uh, is sort of uh, to some extent in the middle and telling both sides uh, to to stop uh, what what they're they're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I do want to acknowledge the point uh, that that certainly part of the the backlash comes uh, from the perception that government benefits disproportionately go to minority groups or the poor or immigrants or some other. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it's certainly true that uh, public opinion has always been less supportive uh, of government policies designed to redress those inequalities. Uh, then, uh, for a, a general, uh, government, uh, expansion, uh, to, uh, encourage economic growth. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, let's go, uh, let's go back to the phones here. Uh, Philip in Ann Arbor. Philip, welcome to Detroit today.
3: Hi, uh, Stephen, can you hear me? I can. Yeah. I'm a first time caller. So, uh, I'll try to get my uh, point across and okay. question briefly. Um, so to the caller, the last caller's question about, uh, uh, people who are victims. If you take the, I want to talk about the, uh, the poisoning of the waters of Toledo and what's happening in Lake Erie. And it, it is a complicated issue that, um, the farmers are trying to grow food and, and, and beef and pork like we all want. But, uh, they're using too much fertilizer and, uh, we want to keep it out of the lakes. And they have to have some way to get those farmers on board. The farmers don't want to use more fertilizer. And uh, to, to pay them, get the market to work for them, and, and keep the huge costs of, uh, of polluting our lakes down. And so the government role uh, has to be to get the regulations right, um, not necessarily more, um, but get the regulations right, to uh, incentivize the farmers uh, and not have them fighting, right. uh, they don't want to pollute any more than the rest of us do.
0: So, so w- w- how are we doing on that? From your from your point of view, uh, do, I, have I we think struck that, the right balance? Uh, it starts, but we've got to do something major fast yeah. to uh, to save Lake
3: Erie again.
0: Yeah, uh, Philip, thanks very much for uh, for the call and for the thoughts. Uh, I mean, that that's a very specific example of of uh, this larger question of what the role of government is, you know, how, at what point do you intervene to try to save people's health over, over uh, business interests. Okay, uh, Matt Grossman, Director of Michigan State University's Institute for Public Policy and Social Research. I want to thank you for joining us this morning for this conversation. Thank you. Yes, absolutely. And when we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about the role of government with two people who sit on opposite sides of that question. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones 313 577 1019, Fernando and Dearborn, Anthony and Romulus, John and Halper, John Paul and Harper Woods. We will get to you. We'll be back.
3: Your city, your town, your voice. 1019 WDET,
0: Detroit's public radio station. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about the role of government. What should the government do? What should the government do for us? What will we allow the government to do to us? Uh, there are two sort of polls that I think exist in this country on this question. Lots of people think the government is too involved in our lives and is a hindrance to the freedoms that are guaranteed in the Constitution for our republic. Lots of other people believe that government action and government programs in particular are an integral part of that republic and an integral part of delivering on the promise for those constitutional principles that without government and government action, uh, people's freedoms would suffer. Who's right? And have we reached a point in our political narrative where it is almost impossible to get anything done because these two polls are unwilling or increasingly unwilling come to some sort of middle agreement. Joining me now to talk more about this issue are two people on opposite sides of that question, at least nominally. Uh, We'll see how much opposite they can actually bring to the show. Uh, (laughs) Jeff Irwin is a former Democratic state representative from Ann Arbor, uh, and Shika Dalmia is a senior analyst at the Reason Foundation. Welcome, Jeff and Shika, to Detroit Today.
4: Thanks for having us. Absolutely.
0: Uh, so, Shika, I'm going to start with you. You're a frequent guest here on the show. Uh, those who listen a lot know that that uh, you are uh, you are a libertarian. Uh, I think you would consider yourself uh, on the right side of the political spectrum, even though uh, certainly you have your disagreements with. Um, with uh, with uh, traditional conservatives, uh, people who would consider themselves just conservatives or or Republicans, but but on this question of the role of government, I think you probably fall more frequently in line with uh, the conservative side of things. The idea that the government is too active, too onerous, uh, and is involved in hindering those freedoms that we are supposed to be guaranteed by the Constitution.
4: Uh, well, I think that depends upon the issue of the day, right? I mean, I, I do... do- I find myself disagreeing more and more with the conservatives, uh, especially in Washington, D.C. Well, because they <laughs> Well, that's true, too. Yeah, totally. Uh, but, you know, to, just to begin with, what is libertarianism? I mean, a Reason Foundation, where I work, our you know, our motto is free minds and free markets. And why do we, you know, how do we get to that position, free minds and free markets? And I think the way to begin, think about it is that, you know, we begin, we are individualists. We We believe in the primacy of the individual. For us, uh, the welfare of the society is a sum total of the welfare of the individuals. We do not think that society is bigger than individuals, so we do not believe in subsuming individual good to a broader social good. Uh, you know whether that social good. I mean, and libertarianism arose in the seventeenth, eighteenth century as a reaction to those kinds of you know ideologies that would subsume the individual to either you know a ruler, a national, a national, you know certain kinds of nationalisms, certain kinds of feudalisms. And so the the question for us is if individuals are the primary unit of society, how do you uh, guarantee a sphere of autonomy and freedom for them? And freedom in all its dimensions, metaphysical dimensions, their, you know, spiritual dimensions as well as economic dimensions. And so that's the central question for us. The role of government in our view is to preserve this sphere where individuals can go about their own activity. not need the government to impose an order for us top down we see order emerging as sort of the spontaneous activity of individuals you know as they interact with each other mutually cooperatively not coercively which is what the government does order emerges for us from the bottom up and so we see we want to use the government in a very limited fashion only to you know step in when the rules uh, that bring this order are violated, not actually to impose that order. Yeah. Uh,
0: Jeff Irwin, uh, former Democratic state representative, you would come at that question quite differently, I think. Uh, the I'm, not idea, sure about, I'm
5: not sure I well, would come at it differently, okay. but I would say that we're in a different place. I think that's where we started. But over the thousands of years of human history, we've realized that we can solve our problems together. We can get better results for individuals by working as a community. So government is what has emerged out of our common need to do better for ourselves together. That's why when we ask what's the role of government, well for me, I wanna be able to turn on my tap and have fresh clean water come out very cheaply. I wanna be able to drive on the road down here to your studio and those kinds of common investments, things like that and even further to education and healthcare make us stronger as individuals and as a community. Yeah.
0: Uh Uh, Go ahead.
4: Um, Yeah. So, look, I mean, uh, uh, we very much libertarians are all about community and cooperation and civil society. Uh, The reason we are skeptical, we don't you know, the reason we are skeptical about the government playing a major role in creating that cooperation is that government is the only entity in society to which we give a monopoly on force this is it's a one coercive element in society which you know it has the power of the guns and so for us the fundamental political issue is how do you prevent the government from degenerating into tyranny and authoritarianism which you are seeing a pretty scary example of right now in the white house right. so for us you know the issue is to prevent that you know how do you create a system of checks and balances and divided Power in order to, you know, prevent, uh, you know, the government from absolutizing itself, and uh, that's, you know, that's the difficulty. But
0: but that's sort of an extreme too. I mean, we have an extreme iteration of it in the White House right now. Uh, but but you're sort of by characterizing... historical standards, Donald
4: Trump is not extreme. I mean, Hitler is extreme. Well, Donald Trump is by not.
0: by historical standards of the American presidency, he is an extreme. He's not an extreme by by a uh, measure of other authoritarians who operate outside of constitutional right. republics. Right. And
4: that's because we've had a very core philosophy of limited sure. government I'm, over here which has prevented government, you know, uh from doing bad and uh it actually has. It. Doing, I mean and and that, and, and, and and and, I mean, yes. and we'll
0: get it, to that. Right. We'll get to that soon, yeah. which is that the history of this country is that uh the government has uh, too frequently, I think, That's uh, restrained itself right. from, I think, from intervening when bad things are happening, and is uh, has been complicit in uh, too much of uh, the, the 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 naked uh, violation of rights of particularly people of, of of color. And I think that confounds the sort of libertarian narrative about mm-hmm. what government should and shouldn't do. But but I want to give Jeff Irwin a, a chance to respond to what you just
5: said. Well, I think one of the interesting things you said there was that uh, government has monopoly on force and that we give them this monopoly. I think that's absolutely right, because government is there to settle disputes between people. And while I hold our individual liberties very, very closely as well and think that we all have a common mission in fighting back against tyranny, I also have noticed that when you have disputes between people, they both seem to think they're right. Everyone seems to think they're right. (laughs) So sometimes you need a referee, and we've all agreed that we should have a referee and we formed a constitution to build that referee. And we put limitations in that document, limitations that I also hold dear. But that doesn't mean that we can't reach out and make sure that that franchise is extended to everybody yeah. and that we can't deliver and resources uh, uh, that, that help everyone be more prosperous and realize that liberation that you're talking about.
4: Okay. Well, uh, um,
5: yeah, go ahead. Uh, so, <laughs> <laughs> this is good.
4: <laughs> um, look, I mean, it's. To say that we, uh, you know, you agree that uh, we need to limit the role of government and then say, well, but that does not mean that we can't entrust the government to do X, Y, and Z. Look, the government, what what power does the government have to get people to do X, Y, and Z? And it's a coercive power. And it See, is I fine to a... use that coercive power when all other mechanisms breakdown. Right. It is not fine to make that your first resort of action. So yes, when there is a breakdown, you know, of cooperation between individuals, I mean individuals don't always act rationally. Uh you know, they will try and take by force uh what they can't get peacefully from people. They don't That's, have perfect information. Yeah. They don't have perfect information and there is an externalities issue, you know, when some of what they are doing will affect Uh, you know, their environment or people around them. And in those instances, as a last resort, it is okay to bring in the government. Uh, But it is not okay to bring in the government as a system of first resort, whereas, well, you know, we think that there should be an equality of outcomes in some way, shape, or fashion. So let's have the government, let's give the government the power to do that. Look, if we give the government the power to do good, it'll also use that power to do ill, because that's what government does. I mean, I think
0: the problem, though, the problem, again, is is that the historical record in this country is that the government has never, never decided that it will act in a way to provide uh, uh, equality of outcome for, for people in this country. In fact, it's, it's conspired through most of its history to to assure inequality of right. o- both opportunity and outcome, and so uh, the 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 idea that and it's not it's not that the intellectual idea you're stating is is somehow flawed. It's that when you apply it to the history of this country, and I think to the history of human behavior. It just doesn't, it doesn't, it's not terribly
4: relevant. Well, no, uh, I I think you and I would see history differently. (laughs) I mean, look, I agree. I mean, the biggest problems in this country in my view have been have been created by government slavery was an institution that was managed and imposed by the government but it was not created Crow, by government
5: uh, well, it predated the us it,
4: it, it, predated, it predated it predates the government right, the but, government
0: then but, institutionalizes it and and protects it for uh, you know a 100 years or so that's at, my point. at the beginning but but slavery itself is is actually a market driven idea and and has been throughout human history the Look, idea of free it, labor uh, and and the 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 the, the denigration of that's right. uh, different uh, human beings is is a human instinct it is not a
5: government instinct. That, adherence to the market did not no, make that, the world I think prosperous like it is today
4: that the whole premise of libertarianism uh-huh. is to precisely prevent the exploitation of people by the hands of, The exploitation of many by the on at the hands of the few, slavery was an institution that was a complete violation of individual freedom. I mean, there cannot be a more fundamental violation, you know, of that principle than slavery. And uh, the way I view American history is that it it began, uh, you know, with this original sin of slavery, which was institutionalized, as you said, socially, and the government started imposing it. But after that, America's history is a history of becoming more uh, consistent with its founding libertarian ethos which is broadening that liberty to ever more individuals and limiting its roles role to providing an equal you know playing field in the sense of But if
0: you think of the milestones that have that have pushed us toward that equality they have all been government action pushing back against market or cultural forces that were preserving inequality uh, I the, think if you if the you the look- desegregation of schools uh, the, the 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 dismantling of jim crow these happened against market forces that that human beings were in control of and at the hands of government who said you can't do it. Rural electrification. Rural electrification. Jim Jim Crow. (laughs) Well let's let's take
4: one thing at a time because they are very, very different examples. Sure. Jim Crow was a system that was imposed. it was a system of private violence that the government refused to break. Yes. the government in fact enforced that system of private violence. There were whites in the South that wanted to business with blacks that the government prevented the local actually governments. Inter- local yes. governments actually intervened yes. and prevented. Uh, you know, that system of mu- sure. mutual cooperation that could, that may have ended, you know, racism far more quickly if the government had not been intervening. But
0: to, to push now- back against that. To stop that from happening, I agree. It took the federal. Government it
4: did, yes, and it to, that system had become so entrenched sure. that the local tyranny had become so entrenched that you needed some, you know, some people with guns who had even more force to come and break that tyranny. And that was, I, in my view, one appropriate use of, you know, more government power yeah. to uh, to yeah. uh, undermine local yeah. local government power, but. But that was a system of government. I mean, Jim Crow would not have existed if local governments had not been aiding and abetting. So, so government is
0: not always good. It is also not always bad. And I think that's the the, the sort of tension that we're trying to to get to here is uh, how do you determine when government has too much power and can act in inappropriate ways, uh, but also how do you determine when government has too little power and can't do the things that we would expect it to do to assure equality, especially equality of, of opportunity. All right, I'm going to take another quick break here, uh, and when we come back, we're going to get to the phones. Lots of people want to join this conversation. No surprise there. John and Ann Arbor, Anthony and Romulus, John Paul and Harper Woods, we will get to you. And if you want to join the conversation, give us a call, 313-577-1019 is the number. We'll be right back on Detroit Today. You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking this hour about the role of government. Is government too present in our lives in America, or should we be using government more more aggressively to solve social, cultural, and economic problems? that we have. Joining me uh, now is Jeff Irwin. He is a former Democratic state representative from Ann Arbor, also Sheikha Dalmia, a senior analyst at the Reason Foundation, uh, considers herself a libertarian, sees uh, the role of government and the uh, a pressing need to keep government limited in order to assure that we can exercise the freedoms that are guaranteed in our constitution. We want to know what you think about the role of government. Uh, give us a call. Three one three five seven seven one oh one nine is the number. That's three one three five seven seven one oh one nine. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put your comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will try to work your comments into the conversation. Let's go to Anthony and Romulus. Anthony, welcome to Detroit today. Hello. Thank hey. you
3: for taking my call. Sure. Um this this role of
0: government. See when 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 people get in trouble and they have to deal with the government the government makes the sanction to where they don't want to get in trouble with the government but when corporate america gets in trouble with the government they get a slap on the wrist <laughs> so you know when you, when you want to talk about the government being too involved in people's lives but you never talk about how the government is too cozy with the market and how the market has too much influence over the government. No, the government is supposed to be the people's government, but it sides too often and it gives too much to businesses. Yeah, huh. uh, uh, Anthony, that's a that's a great point. I, I hear a lot of people make that point uh, when they talk about the role of government. That it that it's that it doesn't play out equally. Government is aggressive. Uh, when the victims of its aggression are weak, uh, and government is passive, when the victims of that aggression would be uh, more uh, more powerful. Uh, again, that that it confounds some of the 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 discussion. I think about what the role of government is because uh, of that unevenness, that sort of inequality. Uh, that that. That permeates everything that we talk about in the society, and 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 it's I I think it makes it difficult uh, to sort of talk about it as an intellectual exercise because we have these practical examples of government not behaving. The way that uh, that it should. Uh, what do you think about what uh, Anthony says there?
4: I I actually completely agree with Anthony. I think the uh, the one reason I am opposed to a big government is that the, because the big government gets co opted by powerful interests. Look, I just wrote a piece called uh, "Crony Capitalism in Detroit," where I see you know big business getting all the big corporate tax breaks, which the little guys can never get because they can't ever. The don't together have the they don't have the influence they don't have the power that's one of my big critiques of big government is that it gets co-opted by the powerful which is why we need to keep it small so that it can preserve the rules and impose the rules on everybody fairly you know courts yeah. settle conflicts it, settle I uh, think
0: it's a question of whether that's a function of size or a function of structure well it's but, a fun- function of size but and scope both. it it's, could be both it could be both right go ahead jeff
5: no, this is was one of my great frustrations in Lansing is you'd see the, the rich and powerful get treated very differently than the, the poor and downtrodden. And our system was set up in such a way where the elected officials were supposed to respond to the votes. But because our society has gotten so large and because money has started to play such a huge role in political outcomes, we've seen that get very, very distended. Uh, I always saw my role in Lansing was to try to uh, fight to balance the scales for the little guy. That's why I signed up to be a Democrat. Right.
4: Look, when you have uh, government subsidizing the building of stadiums and uh, light rail and, uh, you know, large buildings— it is going to get co-opted by large interests because they are the ones who will profit most from it, and therefore they have the incentive to lobby the government most. And the means. And and, yeah. and the means, right? And so, which is why you don't want the government involved in those things. Let the market work it out, where little guys, little mom and pop stores, can be, you know, be treated the same as uh, the big Dan Gilberts of the world.
0: Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I really don't. I guess I'm not sure that there is proof that the market, with its cruelties uh, and its fealty to the dollar, uh, is any better. If you are on the lower end of the economic scale or in a disfavored cultural or ethnic class, uh, the market historically has been just as bad on on those populations as government. But 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 I I, I don't disagree with you that that government's coziness with power is also sort of a scourge for those for those populations so maybe maybe we come up with something entirely different (laughs) Uh, let's go back to the phones here Fernando and Dearborn welcome to Detroit today
2: hi thank you for having me yeah go ahead um so I I have um, a couple points Um, and uh, so from more from a more I guess conservative uh, for lack of a better word uh, standpoint um, the view would be that um, what is called the principle of subsidiarity. So it's more of a philosophical approach to government, but ultimately that um, everybody, everything should be run at the lowest level possible. And um, the example that I use is like the family. And I'm a, I'm a father of two so far. And um, you know, children, if you govern your, your children in the exact same way, then chances are the outcomes will be not so good because because humans are so um, so individual, they're in their, they're their own universe, and you can't create a rule for um, all of your children and expect that they're going to respond in the same way. Each one needs to be treated individually and treated, um, you know, with with different with different and sometimes different rules, different punishments, different, you know, um, in different ways. And in a similar sense, the state of Louisiana um shouldn't be treated in the same way as the state of Idaho uh because they have different needs and they have um sometimes federal federal intervention has severely different outcomes for Idaho which I'm actually originally from Idaho um than than you know to say New York um state and um And so um, the view there is um, giving the states more power and each individual in each state more power allows allows for better outcomes in general. Can you give us
0: an example of that historically? Sure. Where where um, where where individual or uh, individual state act uh, action outside of the governance, uh, the, the, the collective agreement about, for instance, our constitution. I mean, we fought a war about this Fernando uh, we fought a very bloody war about this very question so i guess i'm i'm wondering i'm wondering what you see in in the idea of of moving back toward that sort of uh, individual or states rights model is is beneficial
2: well it would be beneficial for states to be able to govern themselves like for example in the state of idaho when the um there was um the gray wolves were released into the rocky mountains and um i I believe it was like in president obama's first couple years or something and um, they were canadian gray wolves and they um weren't listening to idaho farmers uh, because those wolves were having were basically eating the you know destroying the cattle and um the federal government tends to not really be as in tune with the um you know even the, the the environment or even um you know then you talk about social aspects of each state we we all know that each state has very different approaches to what they view as socially acceptable and um so that leads to my second point which is the that the um the supreme court um really you know pontificating and and making rules from up there that apply um, broadly to everybody at times does ha- it's a quick way to, to to do that and to violate um, individual voices of of individuals within states. Yeah, I mean, and, uh, and I, you know, and I, I, believe- I
0: hear you. I do hear you, Fernando, and I I think it's a it's a totally legitimate point of view. It just happens to be at odds with the idea of a constitutional republic. I mean, our constitution sort of lays out uh, a number of ways in which. Uh, there is a shared uh, set of powers between the states and the federal government, but that the, the federal constitution will reign supreme in order to protect individuals in those states from local tyrannies. And do we get it right all the time? No, of course not. But I do think that that the, the, the principle there works uh, pretty, pretty consistently, or at least we, we, we have to hope that it will because I don't know what else you would do. Uh, Jeff, everyone, go ahead.
5: So what I take out of that is that as we've gotten larger and our country has gotten more complicated, there's this constant idea that we need to push and devolve power down to the local level. And I think for a lot of things that does make a lot of sense. But um, what I think that has happened culturally is that If you ask someone to care for someone within their neighborhood or on their block or even in their town, it's a little bit easier to say, yeah, I know Joe. He's a hardworking guy. He fell on hard times. Let's help him out. Or let's make sure he has health care. Let's make sure he doesn't go bankrupt because of his heart problem or something like that. But then when you start to draw the lens back further from just a couple hundred people to a couple thousand people or to 350 million people, it gets really hard for people to identify how their um, future and how they have common cause with their fellow Americans. I think that's one of the things that's really fallen away in our country is that so many Americans have have taken opposite sides on a wall and they're not willing to help their citizens on the other side of the wall. Um,
4: Well, I would say that the government has created a lot of barriers to that kind of uh, self-help, mutual help uh, happening at the local level. But to go to the broader question that the uh, caller raised, uh, look, um, you know, our country, uh flawed as its history is the central project was project protecting individuals individual liberty and it set up a system of federalism where the states are a check on federal power and the federal federal power federal government is a check on state tyranny to you know to 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 protect that sphere of individual freedom so the way our constitutional republic works is that everybody who is in this country even actually undocumented aliens are protected they have certain rights because the government cannot step in and take away anyone's rights and so those basic rights are protected by everybody however there are instances when governing is better when it is closer to the people and that sphere was protected for the states, and I think that's sure. a pretty good system. Yeah,
0: yeah. It, it, when it works, it works uh, magnificently, and it is the envy of of the planet. In fact, uh, that that system it's the it's the largest, the longest surviving form of of constitutional republic. When it doesn't work, uh, in its most sort of garish iteration, I suppose you end up with the civil war, for instance, uh, which is which is drawn out of the argument about. This power, this balance of power between states and the federal government, primarily over the issue of,
4: right? But but the civil civil war happened because there was a violation. Of the protection of individuals, which were guaranteed constitutionally, and that was happening locally, uh, but that well, was—I mean, was but that was part of the constitutional citizens. sphere. That was part of like the constitutional arrangement that the states were not supposed to violate these rights. So the federal government was perfectly well, within its rights. Actually, to come when in. The, and,
0: well, when the when the war started, though, there was no thirteenth, was 14th big or fifteenth amendment. That so was the right. argument: was whether those citizens deserved those protections. Let's go. Let's go to John in Ann Arbor.
6: Hi. Yeah. Um, Hopefully I have enough time to get this all out. Yeah. I'm actually pretty surprised that you guys uh, talked about a constitutional republic, because the fact of the matter is, if you ask 10 people out of any given street, out of any given city, one maybe two people might know that we are a constitutional republic,
0: as opposed to yeah. To well, I don't like just like grab people democracy. off the street to have them on the show. <laughs> I actually pick well, guests who, I'm doing, right? who know who know these things. Yeah, go ahead, right. John. <laughs> well, I mean, it's
6: important to know what type of government you are because our type of government was was abrupt. It was an abrupt change to how governments had had worked throughout the the uh, throughout history. Right, you have monarchies and and dictatorships, kingdoms, what I have what have you, but the fact of the matter is is that yes we changed that it, it was a, an individualistic uh, type of government in the fact that it gave uh, the individual their rights it's not a, it wasn't about uh, a big government at that time because they they had just come from a big government which was tyrannical and these guys were extremely brilliant as much as people may want to call them racist or slave owners and this that and the other the fact of the matter was is that they were ahead of their times they had already uh, they had researched all the history throughout Throughout uh, uh, Rome and 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 through sure. the English monarchy, and, I, I, that and doesn't have to it. be
0: that doesn't have to be an either or, John. I mean, they were racist and they were slaveholders. They also had. Really profound ideas about democracy. I don't think you have to. I don't think you have to live with one of those truths right. to and, and deny the other. Um, but but uh, you know, I know that's difficult, and I know it's hard because uh, it sounds sometimes like you're you're denigrating their genius by calling out the the inconsistencies in it. And I don't think that's necessarily what we're doing. Go ahead, yeah,
4: right. I mean, you know, you don't have to assume perfection on the part of our founders no. to acknowledge that they've done something and, good. And let's, I mean, let's and you know, you can another
0: have another myth here. This founders, there was one thing they all agreed on. And that was the Constitution itself. Lots of these other questions, they, they were completely all over disagree- the map on
4: there. R- yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, and size well, of
0: government being one. And
4: of one. you know, we had the Articles of conf- uh, you know Confederate for a long time before we actually had. a you know, Constitution with the whole Bill of Rights, right. and it was an evolutionary process. But they did have, you know, the seed of a good idea, which is Republican government in the sense, you know, small or yes. Republican, which is self-government. Yeah. Uh, that was, you know, that they all agreed on. And that was a good idea. That was, you know, in opposition to the monarchies and what have you that it's you had in continental it's Europe. It's an idea that
0: persevered for, what is it, 240-some years now? I mean, it's, uh, that's significant. And it's still
4: growing in the world. I mean, every, you know, liberal democracy is the model that... The yeah. most of the world is trying to emulate or get to at this point.
0: Yeah, uh, Let's quickly try to get one more call in here. Ryan, on the east side of Detroit, uh, I've got about 30 seconds, so make right. it fast. Uh,
3: good morning. Uh-huh. I just wanted to say that um, the role of government is to promote interest. Um, it's Hopefully it's, it should be to promote interest of all equally, but we haven't had that. We have this Democrat-Republican polarized government at this moment, and until we get a third party to come in or a third, fourth, and fifth party to come in, we're always going to battle with this polarizing seesaw Great.
0: effect. Great point. Uh, thank uh, you, uh, Ryan, uh, for that. Uh, quickly, Jeff Irwin and Chika, well, we're, we're out of time, so <laughs> we'll, we'll have to get to that next time. Uh, <laughs> all right. I want that. to thank Jeff Irwin, former Democratic state rep, uh, and Chika Dalmi, a senior analyst at the Reason Foundation for being here. We will continue this conversation another time wonderful subject, the wonderful points that everybody made here. That's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station. I'll see you tomorrow.